Hey, welcome to Financial Sense. As you can all see, we're back in the studio. Today, we're talking about agriculture, water, sustainability, all really important topics to the state of Arizona. Stay tuned. You are listening to Financial Sense, Arizona's financial podcast that gives you insights that you can only get from having a friend in the business. Recorded and brought to you by National Bank of Arizona, the only bank you need. Hello, I'm Brent Cannon. I'm the director of the Community Bank here at National Bank of Arizona. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today, we're talking about agriculture in Arizona. What does ag look like now? And what does the future hold for this very important industry? Today, we have two of our agribusiness bankers. We have Matt Eirich and Kerry Morales. Matt has been working in the banking and specifically in agriculture for over 35 years. Kerry has also been working in the industry for over 20 years. Matt, Kerry, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So first off, let's let's talk about the ag team here at, at, at National Bank of Arizona. Matt, we'll just kick it off with you. What What's the agribusiness do here at National Bank of Arizona for, for your clients? Well, you know, ag, ag is just another industry in reality. So we provide the financial services our clients need to be successful, whether that be lending or treasury management, wealth management, whatever the, whatever they need to be successful in their endeavors is what we provide them. We provide the specific nuances that come with the ag industry and understanding what their cash flows, the other little specifics of the needs that they have. So what are some of those nuances? The seasonality that goes around it, uh, the start to finish process of their business from planting the crop, the prior to planting input needs that they have, and also the finishing it out and how long it holds on until they receive the income from their crops. I think also when you look at the difference between a C&I deal and an ag deal is there's a lot more moving parts in an ag deal. So when we get into analyzing it from a financial standpoint, we're talking about every line item on a P&L versus just the bottom line or just the cash flows. So uh, C&I, just for everyone, commercial and industrial, uh, kind of your normal business lending. One of the important aspects, and I think unique aspects, maybe more so than other C&I clients, uh, is the is the relationship the length of relationships between uh, a banker and a a ag client, whether it be the owner or manager or partner or whatever? Um, talk a little bit about that. I, I, that's really struck me in the last several years. Yeah, I think I think a big part of that is just the nature of being a specialty group, right. and um, it just seemed like kind of generationally there's a group of people that stick in ag and stay in it. And there may be some people that move in and out of it, but those that stay in it are in it because they believe in the industry, they enjoy what they're doing, and the relationship develops. And when we were talking earlier about the, the fact that you've got so many different moving parts in an ag deal, because it's a commodity-driven industry, markets are up and down all the time, uh, weather's a factor, all these different things. So if you can't develop a pretty strong relationship to weather over those issues, um, it doesn't work as well. I'd say the relationships really come back to, I treat my customers the way I want to be treated, and you have to build that trust with your customers. And like Matt said, it's a matter of the seasonality. Sticking with them in the tough times really helps build the relationship. Let's talk about the advocacy kind of component uh, that 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 you play as the banker to an, one of our ag clients. Carrie? So for a lot of my clients, I have to be a resource. Mm. I have to stay educated what's going on, what's happening in their industry, water, what's going on with commodity prices, like Matt had said, as part of the business. But then I also have to 
speak to them, understand their business, and then relay that story to others that don't know anything about agriculture. Right. They don't know what those nuances are and those complexities of it. Right. And that's where I have to be there to represent them and to advocate for them. Yeah, that's great insight. That's great insight. Yeah. So as Carrie said, the advocacy is both internal, external. Um, it's with the group, it's with the industry, it's with people in the bank just to make sure they understand who we're dealing with and, and uh, why it's a little bit different than, than the other stuff they're looking at. Yeah. So what, what I heard was it's incredibly important to be, uh, to be working with a bank or bankers that understand and take the time to know the industry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now let's kind of move into, uh, something that we're all taught as youngsters here in Arizona, at least we were, I don't know if we still are or not. Uh, but the five C's of Arizona, who gets the prize for remembering the five C's? Anyone? (laughs) I'll do it. All right. You've got your cotton, citrus, cattle, copper, and climate. The five C's originally came about because those were the main economic drivers back in 1912 when the state became a state. And if you look at the state seal, those are part of the things that are on the state seal because they were important. They were what drove business and what was the predominant source of revenue for the state. So Matt, are they still relevant? Yeah, they're still relevant. They're not, may not be predominant as they were, Um, you know, even from, from copper, cotton, citrus, cattle. Not what they were. We've got a big municipalities now. We got microship companies. We got all kinds of stuff going on in the cities, but they're really relevant to the rural part of the state, yeah. and um, they're still the driving force in rural Arizona. So they are relevant and, and uh, important to the state as a whole. So maybe it'll be it'll become six C's, and we'll add uh, conductors for the technology uh, industry <laughs> that is starting up. So maybe it'll be six C's. Who knows? I think what we'll do for for the viewers, we'll um, let, let's let's start with a high overview of the agricultural industry in the state of Arizona. And for really for folks who don't know what we grow, what we raise, Carrie, why don't you take Central Arizona and and maybe North? And then Matt, maybe you can take uh, Yuma and that area and what, what happens in that part of the state. So Carrie, why don't you lead us off here? Yeah. So in the northern part of the state, you typically have cattle operations, sheep operations, where those sheep and cattle are grown for 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 human consumption, Sure. for the lack of a better way of saying yep. it. And then in central Arizona, there's a variety of crops. And in central Arizona, you have your Maricopa County, your Pinal County, your Pima County, and some of the main crops there are alfalfa, which is typically feed ground for horses and for cows. You've got the dairy operations that consume that and produce the milk. Um, You also have cotton, which the clothing that we wear typically comes from that as well. You have wheat. The Durham wheat that's grown in Arizona is what's used to make pasta, and it's blended with other regions' wheat because of our consistency and then shipped to Italy or produced here locally. And then you also have other feed crops, which would be milo, sorghum, oats, things along those nature, which are for animal consumption. Okay. And then just real quick before we go to Yuma, uh, eastern side of the state, Wilcox, what's some of the stuff happening out there? Yeah, so over in the Safford, Wilcox area, Mm -hmm. you're typically going to have grain corn, uh, which again, feed for it. You also have down in the Wilcox area, there's the human consumption of the white corn that's grown down there. You have cotton, alfalfa wheat, milo. A lot of those are also grown the same as what is in central Arizona. It's just they have a smaller growing season due to the weather. Gotcha. All right. Thanks, Gary. Mm -hmm. Matt, Yuma? Yeah. Before we get out of southeastern Arizona, there's also large acreages of of, uh, nuts, pecans, and and pistachios um, in that part of the state. 
Yuma, you know, Yuma is uh, is just a special place when it comes to ag. Um, year round, they're always doing something down there. They've got cotton in the summertime, Sudan grass, wheat, um, and then in the wintertime, of course, it's it's the salad capital of the world. Um, and so, head lettuce, romaine lettuce, celery, broccoli, all anything you can think of in the leafy green world is coming out of Yuma that time of the year. So very active, even um, as Kerry talked and touched on, whether we're in Yuma or central uh, Arizona, we, we pretty much have year-round crops going on here. So unlike the Midwest or, or farther north where you've got a definite season because winter comes in and there's not much you can do, there's something always going on in Arizona. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a nice overview and I think help folks understand what's grown, where it's grown. So now I, I think it's important and a lot of people don't know this, uh, but the general and overall size of the agricultural industry in Arizona and what it represents, what it means to the state in terms of uh, production, in terms of jobs, in terms of, um, you know, all of the things that kind of are impacted from an economic standpoint. Let's talk about the size and give folks a, a sense of the scope of, of the ag industry. Yeah, ag's about $23.3 billion input into the GDP for Arizona. Um, and about 138, 140,000 jobs is, uh, are the numbers that were given from the Arizona State uh, Ag Department. The ag industry in the state of Arizona not only hits Arizona, but the entire, the entire country and even into Canada, um, especially in, this, in the winter. If you want a salad, it's coming from Arizona. Mm. Well, and not only just Canada, but... In the ag industry in Arizona exports yeah. to 70 different countries. Wow. Uh, so when you think of is ag important, how big is it, we don't just impact locally. We impact worldwide with it. In Arizona, we also, because of that climate aspects that we have, mm -hmm. we're pretty consistent. Right. And we are somewhere that globally they grow seed, cotton seed here, to have it be produced throughout the world. So it. It's big. Yeah, it's big. The overall acreage and stuff is not huge. I mean, we're not going to be number one in acres of cotton or number one in uh, citrus or something like this. But uh, as Carrie said, there's some specialty niches. In Yuma, you've got all the produce during the wintertime. Um, our farmers are probably some of the the best in terms of getting the most out of their out of their unit of production. So we have higher utilization of acreage in terms of higher yields and and fewer inputs so really high-tech um, aggressive farmers so although our size in total acres may not be uh, anything to get too excited about what we what we do with what we have is is really uh, done well let's touch on one other i think uh, relevant topic and that's climate change we hear a lot about it there's a lot of different ideas and thoughts about it depending on who you want to listen to and but let's talk about how that impacts our agricultural industry as specifically in arizona let's talk about climate change climate change sustainability all those things kind of flow together right so i would again uh emphasize the fact that ag is a viable and and strong advocate of doing the right thing for the climate. Um, have we made mistakes in the past? Yeah. Have we learned from them? Yes. We reduced fertilizer input into our crops because of, of uh, pollution into rivers and stuff that, you know, but we, we live and we learn. We also, you know, we, an alfalfa field, a cotton field, 
a grove of pecans. Um, those are all plants, and they're pulling carbon out of the, out of the air, and they're they're putting it back in the ground. Right. And so that's part of ag, whether you like it or not. And there's a lot of studies uh, recently on cover crops and some other things going on, pasture programs and ranches, all kinds of different um, valuations and measurements on how in ag we can adjust our, our processes to provide more carbon uh, sequestering. And, and so, you know, we are a piece of the solution, not a piece of the problem. Right. That being said, we're all human. We all have an impact on the environment, whether we like it or not. And, and we can't not have an impact on the environment. The question is, how do we manage that right. impact? Well, and I'd say some of the other things that the customers are doing is, like Matt said, they're natural resource managers. And we have customers that not only is it air pollution that you think about for climate, but light pollution. Mm -hmm. We have those that have been working to have you know, natural habitats put into place on their operations to help with bringing back certain species. If I think of a client specifically that's in northern Arizona that does a dark sky project where there's no lights and they've gone through and dealt with the government and how do you make this better? How do you do these things? So it's not just pollution, like Matt was saying, that they're you know carbon positive versus carbon negative right. and looking at things, but it's also the other aspects of climate change and how it impacts everything. Yeah, I have to say my my, my uh, limited exposure to the industry is I'm always surprised at how much um, focus there is by our clients on these kind of more global climate change issues. I mean, and it's very interesting. So, you know, I would just, my, my personal opinion would be, I think they're one of the most responsible groups um, in, you know, when you're looking at, at the, at the, at the whole um, landscape of, of industries, I think they're one of the most responsible groups. Uh, and I think they're setting a great example. What, what are some of the adjustments uh, that are, that are, that agriculture um, industry is, is doing to kind of offset the heat and potentially the increase in heat? Well, and it's not just a matter of the heat and aspect of it, but the drought. There's different genetic modifications that's being grown in Arizona and in southern Arizona um, for drought tolerant and heat, less susceptible heat impacts for be it the cotton or corn or wheat. Um, they typically use Arizona as a breeding ground for some of these testing aspects to help find the right genetics to grow corn in Africa with the increased heat and the reduced water as well. So oh, wow. it's a matter of using technology like we were talking about before right. and not only just for water application for the environment, but how do you make the plants adapt to have more with less? And I think undoubtedly, I mean, first of all, People confuse climate with weather. Mm -hmm. Weather is, you know, day to day, month to month, right. season to season. Climate means longer term changes in the weather patterns, basically, in temperatures and stuff like that. So undoubtedly, we've seen that. I mean, we have less Pima cotton growing in, in Arizona than in the past. And that's because our nights haven't don't cool down as, as much as they did 20 or 30 years ago. And you needed that cool down period for Pima cotton more than you did for short staple cotton. Um, we've seen planting dates change for, for different crops. And as Carrie said, though, on addition to all that, um, we've got the technology to adjust 
the genetics of these plants. I mean, if you look at outside of Arizona, you look at um, the Corn Belt. Every year, the Corn Belt, you know, there's going to be a drought. There's going to be this. It's going to be horrible. We bring in the same amount of corn almost every year, regardless right. of all that. And that's because we've developed uh, corn genetics that, that can withstand drought. Regardless of what the climate does long, long haul, those are going to pay off hugely. I mean, even if we got back into cooler temperatures right. and wetter climate, the fact that you have less input um, is going to benefit long term. So climate's an issue. But again, that's a deal that ag faces those kind of issues every single day. Right. Um, you know, when when COVID broke and, and I was talking to a guy and, and uh, his comment was, yeah, well, it's just another deal, another thing we got to deal with. And that's kind of what, what ag people look like. I mean, in reality, agriculturalists are, are optimists. If, if you're going to stick a seed in the ground and water <laughs> it and dump a lot of money on it and wait for it to grow and, and produce something, you have to be an optimist. Yeah. And, um, and I think they look at it that way and they face all these, all these things come at them head on. And, uh, and adjust where they need to adjust. Yeah, I think that goes to your earlier comic carry of it's a lifestyle. It, you know, I mean, the two, it just, I mean, you have to be an optimist and it's just part of your lifestyle. And that's really good, good perspective. Well, Matt and Carrie, I want to thank you for your time. I think it's it was a, a extremely beneficial uh, episode for, for folks to learn a little bit more about a very important industry here in the state. But uh, I want to thank you all for joining us today. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and watch us on YouTube. All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research, recommendations, representations, or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements of any information contained in this podcast and any liability from Zions Bank Corporation NA or its divisions, including direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast may not be those of Zions Bank Corporation N.A. or any of its divisions. Zions Bank Corporation N.A. is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice, investment, or otherwise by Zions Bank Corporation N.A. to that listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Zions Bank Corporation N.A. Loan subject to credit approval. Terms and conditions apply. See Banker for details. Copyright Reserved by Zions Bank Corporation NA, National Bank of Arizona, a division of Zions Bank Corporation NA, member FDIC.